we're at the end of our series, by the way, and I don't know if you saw this, but this week on the news, not on the news, but this week on social media, there was a huge controversy that hit Iowa. Did you guys see this? So I follow a guy on Facebook that has a, an account called Welcome to Des Moines. Anybody heard of that? Okay, I see that hand. Yes, beautiful pictures of Des Moines. The dude is an amazing photographer. He has awesome pictures of the skyline and everything. And, uh, but this week, he was at the state fair when the state fair was closing down, taking some pictures. And he posted this picture. Scandal. 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 Now, why is there scandal? Because he posted this uh, with this picture. He says he's exposed the truth of the butter cow at the Iowa State Fair. He said, wait. So you mean to tell me that the butter sculptures are not fully made of butter? They're just sculptures covered in butter? He said, are the animals even real or are they just robots? He says, I'm questioning everything now. Is Santa real? Hmm, I think I just developed trust issues. Now, I want to know how many of you knew that there was a wire frame underneath the butter cow. You guys are so much smarter. They're so much smarter than why the first service. Yeah, yeah, why did you not tell us? <laughs> Isn't that the trick? Now, I will tell you, there were audible gasps in the first service, right? Yes. I mean, when I put that picture up in the first service, audible gasps. They're like, oh, what? We didn't know. To be fair, I did not know. My only thoughts about the butter cow are usually <laughs> when I walk by it and I go, oh, there's the butter cow. That's it. So what's fascinating about this is it did get picked up by media, like local or, or national media. This is on BuzzFeed, and I love this. Midwesterners are losing it after finding out the Iowa State Fair butter cows aren't made from 100% butter. <laughs> it was also picked up by Yahoo News as well, and possibly the New York Times. And last count, that post that he had, that he made, 715,000 people reached. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I did not know the butter cow had a skeleton underneath. I thought it was 100% butter. I fall into that category. What's fascinating about this is this is just like all social media now. The guy did it as a joke. I mean, it was clearly meant to be funny. Some people got the joke. Some people didn't. <laughs> now, you may be sitting there going, okay, Britt, it's a long day. Why does this have to do with anything? Let's get to the message. Well, you know, as a pastor, I look for an illustration in anything, and this is a great one. Because what does this show us? It shows us that things aren't always as they seem. That sometimes there's more than meets the eye. And as we've been in this series that we've called In Plain Sight, we're coming to the end of that today, we've tried to look at these cultural elements to see beneath the surface, to see beneath what is actually out there, to see or can, to ask the question, can we find God in what we see around us? And I think, I hope, we've done a decent job of that, being able to look at these things and how these cultural moments point back to God. And I hope you found it encouraging in being able how to see how God continues to move in the world around us and even speak to us through unexpected things and in unexpected places. But I have an, I have an admission here. Um, when I planned the series, when we planned the series, we did it about a year ago. Every November, the teaching team gets away and we start planning the next year. It's just a great system for me to not have to worry every Sunday what I'm preaching. But a year ago, we put this down on paper. 
It wasn't fleshed out completely because, as you know, we did some very recent things in the messages as well. But as we thought about this, and, and as I thought about it, it's going to be how do we see God? That was it. We see God here. We see God here. But as we begin to dive into it, I saw a new pattern emerging. In fact, let me share with you what I started to see. So if we'll take our time machine back 12 weeks to the first week of June, you may remember we started this series off. And we had just kind of an introductory week where I... I challenged us and I said, do we actually believe that we can see God in our world? Do we actually believe that God is moving, that God is revealing himself? Do we believe that we can see this? Or has secularism so flattened our experience and disconnected us from the sacred that we can't even imagine a world where God engages his creation and his followers in some way? It's a big question. If you remember that week, if you were here, I asked the question, are we just functional deists? And we talked about how deists, you know, they believe in God, but they believe God just kind of created everything and kind of took his hands off and he's way out there and here we are here and he doesn't have anything to do with us now. Are we living that way? But hopefully through the weeks we showed that God is involved. In that first week, we talked about how God is involved in the world. He's as involved as he's ever been, that we can adjust our vision with a little humility, with a little discernment, we can adjust what we see in here to actually be able to see God moving. And when we see God moving, what we understand is that that is an actually an invitation from God that says, why don't you join me? Why don't you join me in my redemptive work in the world? And that's where we began. But then when we started with the next week, we began to see something else. What started as a series about the theology of God, we began to see equally as a series about the theology of humanity. I don't even know if you guys have seen that. This is also called theological anthropology. How we have these huge glaring needs within us and how we attempt to meet those needs often without God. We tried to think through the meaning of the human story, what it means to be human, as it is lived out before and with God. So if you remember, the, week, the second week, we talked about words, and we did a wordle together. You guys remember that? Now, are you curious who got their wordle faster, this service or the first one? Here it is on the screen. Good job. You beat them. <laughs> you were quicker by one row than they were. But after that week, we talked about the power of words. We talked about the power of words, especially the words we speak to others and the words others have coming towards us and the impact that they can have on us and the power that they have to either build up or to tear down. But during that message, we also how, we saw how when it comes to words, there's something that we all need, encouragement. I mean, who of us can live without an encouraging word? And that was the Sunday I showed this really cool video from Ikea where they had a, two plants in a school, and in the school they had the speaker where one was speaking like positive words to the plant and one was negative, and the negative one after several weeks was just dying and black and dead, but the one that had the positive affirmation, that, that one was thriving and alive. Now, that's where we began, and we saw that we have this need within us, this need to be encouraged. Now, don't worry, I'm not gonna go through all 12 weeks in that great detail. But if you remember, as we look at these, watch what begins to develop as you begin to break down 
we look at a cultural element and how that really highlights a need within us. And so we're gonna put this on the screen where you can just see it. So we began with Wordle, and what did we see there? We, need our, we, we saw our need for encouragement. We need to be lifted up, we need edification. And then the next week we went to the Wizard of Oz and we thought about Dorothy and traveling to Oz and how discontent she was in her life. And what did that show us? That deep within us we have this need for encouragement, or excuse me, for, for contentment, for peace. We all want that, we desire that. The next week we, we saw this interesting documentary called Shiny Happy People that had just come out. And we talked about how in religious structures it's very easy for us to set up rules and guidelines and who's in and who's out. And we have this desire for control, but really what it highlights for us is this need for freedom. We all desire to experience freedom from control, from sin, from all these things. Freedom in Jesus. Then Amy talked the next week, and she did an amazing job talking about just this thing that we see happening in the culture with this rise of tarot cards and astrology and horoscopes are coming back in fashion. And why is that? Why are people turning to these spiritual things? Well, because it shows our need for God that deep within us we have this desire, this something, this longing within us that says there's got to be more than the here and now. There's got to be more than just what I'm experiencing. And we're willing to seek that even in crazy places like tarot cards and things like that. The next week, I got to talk about one of my favorite movies, Arrival. And in that movie, we saw the main character, how she was able to see into the future, and she saw the pain that was going to come to her if she followed this path, but there was also joy in that pain. And she continued to go down that path, and we said, that's the story of God. That's the story of the gospel, that even though God knew when he created us that we would reject him, that we would rebel against him, he knew that it would cost the life of his son on the cross, he still did it anyway. And he still willingly, Jesus willingly went to the cross for us. And it shows us our need for the good news, our need for salvation. Then the next week, Amy and I talked about social media. And that one's an easy one, right? Why do we get on social media? Because it, it makes us feel like we're connected to other people. And we have this deep down desire for connection. We just, we're not made for loneliness. We need other people. The next week, me and Steve talked about how this new movie, Jesus Revolution. Anybody watch it since we did that sermon? No, we've had a few in the first service. A great movie. But Steve shared how that was his story. He was, you know, in, in the 60s and 70s, he was the quintessential hippie. And he was in all the things that hippies were in, but he was looking for something deeper. He was looking for redemption and acceptance and belonging. And that's what we saw in that movie. We desire that. We need that acceptance. The week after, we got to talk about my vice. Love is Blind, The Bachelor, all those fun little shows like that. And that one was an easy one, right? It just highlighted our need for love. We just, we want to be loved. We desire that so deeply. Amy's vice was the next week. She loves, still loves those true crime podcasts. Wasn't convicted by her own sermon to stop watching them or listening to them. I wasn't either, Amy, it's okay. But what does that show us when we listen? We don't listen, we do it for escapism sometimes, but we also do it because within us, there's a desire for justice. We don't wanna see the bad guy get away with anything. And then we're challenged. We hear that God is a just God, but will we trust that God is a just God or do we feel like we need to be the executors of that justice? You know, God says vengeance is mine, but can we trust God to bring about the justice in the way that he's going to do it? 
And then the week after that, we got to look at those reality TV talent shows, like America's Got Talent and all that fun stuff. And what do we see there? We just want our lives to matter. We want significance. We, we, we desire that. Nobody wants to live and go, well, that's fine, I'm gone. We want our lives to matter. And we see that in those shows. And then last week, we talked about the British invasion and the uh, Korean invasion that we see with K-pop and all those things. And in that, we just kind of highlighted our need for others, for people different from us. We need to see that. That's how God created humanity with these differences in it. And what we can learn from others is amazing. Now, should prob- that's the list. That was 12 weeks in a nutshell. If you weren't here for those, you just got them right there. But if you missed them and you're thinking, I want to hear more about what they had to say, they're on our YouTube page and on our Facebook page or our, uh, website and our podcast. Pick your favorite podcast platform. We're out there. Now, I should probably mention at this point, today is not a normal message, okay? It's going to be a little different because I want to do something. I want to give you some space to answer some questions that I'm going to pose to you, to reflect and to think about the summer, think about the series, and to think about and, and give the Holy Spirit room to maybe point out some things within ourselves. And if you want, you can grab some of the, one of the envelopes in front of you if you like to write down or take out your phone and take some notes. Or you can just think about these things in your, in your mind. But what I want to do, let's take away the cultural elements from this and just make this a list of needs. All these needs, deep-seated needs, ingrained within us, that I don't think any of us can look beyond and go, well, that's not me. No, these are needs of humanity. But what I want you to do is just now, Tim's going to play a little bit, just some nice soft music for us, and look at that list of needs. Don't read through it quickly. Don't read through it fast. Read through them slowly. And as you look at those words, does anything jump out at you? I'm going to ask you some questions and give space for silence. I want you to begin to process a few things. Beginning with this, as you look at that list, is there one or two needs on that screen that kind of resonate with you, that when you say that word, it just kind of sticks with you? Maybe it causes some discomfort when you look and you think about it. When you think about the question, how is it with your soul? Does something about one of these needs kind of grab you? Maybe one or two. And when you think about your own needs, what's lacking in your life? Take a moment. I have in my life become kind of a moving target. Have you seen that? Like areas that I feel good in and I feel like, oh, that's not a need in my life, that something can happen or life shifts a little bit and it's like, oh, now that's a need in my life where it wasn't before and maybe that can happen in your life. I was a little surprised when I reflected on the list of needs this week and I went, oh, okay, that makes sense. I was talking with Steve Rogers this week and he was sharing with us this new cultural fascination of his. It's a show called Mountain Men. Anybody ever heard of that one? 
He said he, he was telling me, and he says, I love this show. I saw the first episode, and I just, I couldn't get enough. In fact, he said, I watched an episode, and I, and, I, and I started binging it. It's like I'd get to the end, and I'd want to watch another one, and another one, and another one. And he was already quite deep into the show by the time we were talking. But as he was watching, this series that we've been in kind of made him pause, and he thought, Why? What is it about this show that's making me like feel drawn to it? Why do I feel like I need to keep watching this over and over? Why am I taken in by this? And he said he began to just think about life in general and his own life. And he said, I looked around and I realized that I'm buried under an avalanche of culture and an avalanche of just information and stimuli all the time. And he said, I realized there's this constant pressure to be more, to do more, to take more in, to get more. And he said, for, the, for him, watching this show about mountain men who live off the grid, who go for weeks or months at a time out into, you know, no man's land, he says he recognizes that that show is the opposite of that. And in that, he recognized his desire, his need for peace. He recognized his need for simplicity and authenticity. Now, when you look at that list, I hope you look at it and you don't look and say, oh, there's some bad needs up there. There's not any bad needs. Just be happy because you have a need doesn't make it bad. So as you look, do you have one or two that you're kind of focused in on and you think, okay, that's sticking out to me. So here's the second question. Why do you think that specific need is resonating in your life at this moment? Why do you think it might be a pain point for you in your life? Again, not saying it out loud. Just think through that. Now I'm going to put some incomplete sentences on the screen for you. Don't you just mentally complete these sentences? And the first one is just simply this. I'm searching for what? What are you searching for? Second statement says, I'm looking for that. Humanity sitting here with all these needs. And the question we come to next is just what do we do? And if this was the end of the story, if this was the only place we had to turn, or if the only place we had to turn was ourselves, and the only place we could look for fulfillment would be our culture, that'd be a very sad story. But that's not the story. We're not the main actors in the story, even. It's God's story. 
And it's all about God meeting us where we are, all the needs that we have and everything, and how he meets every need that we have. In fact, you may notice in that last exercise, those incomplete statements on the screen, we started with ourselves. We said, I have this need and I see where I'm looking for the fulfillment of this need. But that last statement did what? Turned to Jesus. Because that's where we have to go. You notice we didn't ask the question, now what are you going to do? How are you going to meet this need? Because to be honest, that's part of the problem, isn't it? That's part of what gets us in so much trouble. We have these deep-seated needs, needs that we turn to everything but Jesus to find fulfillment. And we all know the outcome of that. It just leaves us wanting, incomplete. But we do need to acknowledge that having these needs isn't bad in and of themselves. It's honestly how we were created to need and desire love, that was built within us because of God. God is love. To want encouragement, to desire freedom, where do you think you get that from? It's from God who made us this way. To experience something beyond ourselves, to want to encounter the transcendent presence of God. How do you think you have that within you? Because God placed it within you. These needs just make us, or what help make us human. And we can't just write these needs off and say, well, that's because Adam and Eve in the garden, they sinned, and therefore we had all these needs. Because if you look back at the Garden of Eden, you find Adam, and it's the one thing that God created that he said wasn't good. Adam was alone and desiring connection. And we were, even though we were, he was created to walk with God, there was something more. Or you look at the Bible and you read David in Psalm 63 where he writes this. He says, you God are my God earnestly. I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. What is he saying? He says, I've got a need, God, that I need met. Or even Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Why would Jesus say that there are people that have this desire, that have this need, if it wasn't built within us. The problem is where we go looking for answers. So at least where I get in trouble. Because I'll tell you, I have all the answers right here in my head. I have all the answers. I know where I should go and look when I feel rejected or lonely. But inevitably, I think there has to be something new, something shiny, something better, something different, because the old can't possibly do what I think it should do. So I turn my attention to something else. When really, when I turn to the Bible, and when I look to the face of Jesus, what I find is really everything that I've been longing for. The Apostle Paul talks about this. He's writing to a church that he started in Philippi, and he concludes this letter with thanks for their willingness to support him. Now, the gift that they gave was financial to help him out, and they were also giving generously to other needs. But look at what Paul writes here. This is Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned that the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. 
Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except for you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more may be credited to your account. I've, already, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to, his, to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Look at that last line again. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. There's a danger here. This is where we do what I call fortune cookie Christianity. We like to snap this verse and say, oh, I'm claiming that. But do we believe it? Do we genuinely believe what Paul is writing here? Do I believe it? Do I fully understand what it means? As I read this and I think about my reaction to this, I want to immediately take it to the physical, my financial needs. I'll never have need for food. I'll never have no money. I'll never have this. And what happens is when we read that verse, we all can become prosperity gospel preachers. You know what I'm talking about there, that God's only desire for you is to be healthy wealth and wealthy and that you'll have everything you need. So here's the way we make that happen. Take out those checkbooks and write a check to Brent Clark Ministries. Make them big, whatever you're thinking, put an extra zero on it because that means God will bless you even more. It's a great system, right? For me, <laughs> not so great for you. And we, but here's the problem with this. When we take this to this prosperity gospel garbage, we have some difficulties resolving things because it's easy for us to say, look at wealthy, excuse me, wealthy and healthy people. And yeah, we can see some and we can go, oh, they're godly people. And that's great. But let me ask you, did you, do you know any wealthy and healthy people that are the opposite of godly? Yeah, me too. And so what we understand is that health and wealth are not in and of themselves signs of God's favor. It's not the, the end-all rule, well, you've got money and they don't, so God likes you better. And then we also know, you ever known a, a godly person, somebody that you would look at and you'd say, they walk with Jesus and they've had nothing but difficulty and hardship and poverty and health issues, health, whatever. We see that, don't we? And so we know that this verse can't just be limited to or reduced to prosperity gospel ideology because we know poverty and illness are not always signs of God's judgment or discipline for sin. So what is Paul talking about here? What is he trying to get across? Well, you need to step back and remember, as Paul writes this, he's in jail, he's in prison, he's not able, he doesn't have the freedom to do what he wants. He's had difficulty. He knows what the challenges are of life. And yet in this moment, he's still able to make the statement. So I've had plenty. I've had nothing. I've been on both ends of the spectrum. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered it doesn't matter where I am. I can be content. I desire that. How about you? I desire that. And then as Paul begins to talk about this contentment, as he begins to express this verse here to the people, what does he say? He uses this word. He says, my God. He doesn't say our God. He doesn't say your God. He makes this very personal when he says, my God will supply your needs. 
And he's reminding them that God will do it. He's reminding them the things that he's been saying and teaching and writing about for a long time. Things like this, that God's grace is sufficient. Whatever you're going through, God's grace will see you through. And it's also things like he wrote like this, where he says, it's in your weakness that God's strength will be made perfect. And he even gives them an indication on how God's going to do this. See, he just doesn't say God's going to meet your needs and, you know, it's going to be according to Brent's checking account. Because let me just tell you, if that was the case, we're all in trouble. We can get a good meal at McDonald's today and that's about it. But he says, it's not according to your own effort. It's not according to your own resources or your own cleverness or your own ability to do anything. He says, God will meet your needs according to what? The riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. What do you think the limits of the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus are? None. There's not a limit. The one who created all and sustains it all by his word can tell you there is no limit to what I can do for you. And the way God meets our needs is not just from what he has. Yes, we believe that all that is created belongs to God, but it's also in a manner that befits him. It's how God has done things before. And who can estimate the range of how God will do things, how great God can do things? Every human need, every conceivable human need is more than adequately supplied from that kind of a source and in the way that God believes and knows it needs to be met. Paul's saying here, whatever need that you thought about in your head before, whatever deficiency may be there, God has what you need. We know that, but do we live that? That's a tough question. So you might think the solution here is to just get your Bible, go into a closet, sit and pray for hours and hours and hours. And let me just say, I'm not telling you that's not a great start. It absolutely is. We know that prayer is our source. We know that the Bible is our authority. And we look to that and we begin there. But did you know that even as Paul is writing what he is acknowledging how did God meet his need? How did God come through for Paul? Don't miss what he's saying. Because Paul is saying, I had need. There was real need in my life. And you know how God met my need? He met it through you. He met my need through you. And even, I love the way Paul frames this because he uses words like he says, your gifts were a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. He's throwing in this nice Old Testament language. And he's saying, let me tell you guys something. He's, he's doing it through you. That God is using you. He didn't just sit and wait for something to fall from the sky. God used others to meet that need. And throughout scripture, God's people often need more than God alone. Now that sounds sacrilegious, doesn't it? It almost sounds like, hey, I can't believe a pastor said that. Let me say it again. Throughout scripture, God's people often needed more than God alone. They needed God through the things he had made. They needed God through other people. And I realize that's a dangerous statement, but think back again to Genesis chapter 2. Adam is pictured in the Garden of Eden. He has everything he could need. He's been made co-ruler with God. Everything is at his disposal except one tree. And what does God say about that? Is it sufficient? God says that's not good. He needs a helper. Paul, in 2 Corinthians, he's talking more again about his needs. And he writes, and he says, But God who comforts the downcast, 
comforted us by the coming of Titus. Look at that. God comforted me. How does he say God comforted him? By his friend Titus coming and sharing. Isn't that amazing? Which leads us to our final questions that we ask today. The second moment of reflection. First question is just simply this. Do you believe that God can meet all your needs? Do you believe that God can meet that need that you had in your head or the needs that you were thinking about from that last list? Do you really genuinely believe that God will meet you at the point of that need? And then the question next is why or why not? Especially why not? Now we'll say this is where church gets in the way (laughs) because oftentimes you'll hear people like, well, just believe it. Just don't doubt And I don't know about you, but often in moments like this, I find for me, I'm like the person in the New Testament that encountered Jesus and they came and said, Jesus, will you heal my child? And Jesus said, do you believe? And their response was, yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. Anybody else feel that way? I believe, but help my unbelief. And maybe when you think about these needs and this question here, maybe that becomes your prayer. God, I know that you can meet my needs, but help my unbelief when I doubt, when I struggle. We get to be real with God. You know that? We get to be honest with God. He's not offended when you come that way. In fact, if you finish that story with the person saying, help my unbelief with Jesus, how did that end up? Jesus healed the child. The person was healed. The unbelief wasn't the issue. But the question we may have to wrestle with a bit is how God meets that need. Are we good with how God may choose to meet that need if it doesn't match up with how we want it to be met? That's a tough question. When you think about your needs, here's a question. Maybe there's somebody that you need to seek out to help with that need. Have you shared that need? Have you been discouraged and you think, I need encouragement, and just kept that to yourself? Maybe it's time to mention that to somebody to allow them to be used by God to speak into that need. And then the last question is just, how might God use you to meet someone else's need? Are you open and willing to be used by God that way? Here's that invitation again. And do we really want to miss it when God invites us in to be used to bring about the meeting of somebody else's need? These are serious questions, aren't they? Powerful questions. And I hope that as you leave here today, you'll wrestle with these questions a bit. Now, all this, you may be looking back and you think, why have we spent the last 12 weeks on all these cultural issues? I really did want us to see the impact that these things have on our lives and how God through Jesus wants to address and meet our needs that we see revealed in the culture around us. I mean, it's very clear to me why these shows are so popular. It's clear why there are thousands of shows on finding love or showcasing talent because there's something deep within us that it appeals to. And when we consider humanity, I think we need to remember that for centuries, Christian theologians have understood that humanity, that we are first oriented towards God. 
I ran across a prayer this week of Augustine, and it's this prayer right here. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Isn't that beautiful? I love that prayer. And I wonder if you look at maybe how God has spoken to you today, is there a prayer that you need to write? A response that you need to acknowledge to make a part of your formation, your time with God this coming week? It could be scripture. It could be things like creating me a clean heart, O God. It could be something maybe in the, in the way you feel and the acceptance or lack of acceptance that you feel. Maybe it could be something like just a short prayer that says, I am a child of God. Or maybe in your discouragement, you just need that reminder that Jesus loves me, this I know. Maybe that becomes your prayer. Or maybe you just adopt the prayer from Augustine there. My heart is restless until it's find, it finds its rest in you, God. Whatever you do, it's my prayer that through this series, your eyes have been opened, not just to your own needs, but to the needs of others around you, and that you can now see God in plain sight. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, just time to reflect today. Sometimes we're better at this than others, God, but I pray that you continue to teach us on how to be quiet and still and just really open our ears to your voice and how you may be speaking to us even in the uncomfortableness of having to acknowledge needs, which none of us like to do, God. We want to think we're so self-sufficient. But God, in these moments, we realize we're not. And that's not a bad thing. Because we realize with all the needs we have, it just should point us and turn us directly to you. So God, whatever need we may have been thinking about, pain point we have in our lives, will you use this week to maybe help us to reach out to someone to see if others might be used to help us with that need. Or maybe, God, it's just I need to step beyond my own need and begin to help others to move out of the spiral that can happen sometimes when we become so self-focused and move beyond ourselves and just say, God, how can you use me to be there for somebody else? Like Titus was for Paul, like Eve was for Adam. God, you're a good God. Thank you for your story. Thank you for including us. Thank you for the invitation to be a part of what you're doing. Continue to help us see you, God. Help us to recapture the sacred, to recapture the, the, the idea of transcendence and that you are truly moving and working in our world. Because, God, without you, there, it's just not, not, not nearly as amazing as it can be. And we desire you above all. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for continuing to speak. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. Next week's Labor Day weekend. We're going to pivot a little bit before we begin our next series. So I hope you'll come back and uh, be a part of that. Grace and peace to you all. Thanks for coming for the baby dedication. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next Sunday.